Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Of all the physical sufferings that Jesus endured in his passion, from his anxiety and fear in the Garden of Gethsemane to his mistreatment at the hands of the Jewish guards, to his mockery and scourging and the way of the cross under the Roman soldiers, there can be no doubt that the greatest of all his sufferings, physically speaking, was his crucifixion when he had these great nails driven through his hands and his feet, was lifted up on a cross, naked, to be mocked and stared at, and to slowly suffocate to death as his blood poured out. What a great sign of the cost of sin. What a great sign of the great love of God. And if there is any way that we can have a, a shorthand of calling to mind this great love and this great suffering, it is the five wounds of Jesus on the cross, the two in his hands, the two in his feet, and the one in his side. Now, Growing up, even, I had heard of the idea of meditating on the five wounds of Jesus Christ, but I always found that to be really difficult. Like, how do you, how do you meditate on punctures holes in someone's hands and feet and in someone's side? What, what value am I supposed to get out of a meditation like that? And I struggled with that for a long time. And then I discovered a prayer that led me into a real meditation on those wounds. It's an old traditional prayer. Uh, it's, in fact, if you have uh, one of the missalettes that doesn't have the cover on it, uh, you can see it there on the back of the missalette. It is the prayer before a crucifix. I used to pray that, I still do, at the end of every Mass, to pray that prayer. I know a translation which is slightly different than the one in your missalette. It goes like this. My good and dear Jesus, I kneel before thee, asking thee most earnestly to engrave upon my heart a deep and lively faith, hope, and charity, with true repentance for my sins and a firm resolve to make amends. At the same time, with sorrow, I meditate on your five precious wounds, having in mind the words which David spoke in prophecy. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. And one day as I was praying that prayer, I thought, you know, in that prayer, what we're actually doing is asking for five things. For faith, hope, and charity, and for a, a, a true repentance for our sins and a firm resolve to make amends. And I thought, is there some real connection there with the five wounds of Jesus Christ? And the more that I thought about that, the more I discovered that there is. So let us reflect on the five wounds of Christ. Let us begin with the wound in his right hand. No offense to all of you left-handed people, but you know the, the right hand symbolizes the best, the greatest. And what is the greatest thing that Jesus has offered us? It is the gift of faith. St. Paul says, by grace you have been saved through faith. 
St. John writes, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that whoever believes in him might not perish. How is it that, you know, we are told that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he extended his hands willingly like a lamb led to the slaughter, says the prophet Jeremiah. How was he able to do that? Because he was certain. He knew who he was, and he knew who his father was. What is faith? The letter to the Hebrews tells us it is the evidence, the assurance of things which are not seen. Jesus was certain of what he was doing on that cross. That is how he was able to bear such terrible torture of having a nail driven through his hand without crying out, without complaining as an act of love to God. That act should definitely inspire us faith. That we might have also the faith to, to bear whatever difficulties, whatever uh, vocation God has given to us in this life, because we are able to see what is unseen. We are able to see the love of God made manifest in Jesus Christ. So that is the meditation on the right hand of Christ. Now, the left hand of Christ, we could say, reminds us of hope. The next thing we pray for in the prayer, hope is very much like faith, except that hope deals with the future. We hope for what we do not yet have. Again, uh, how was it that having his hand nailed to the cross, his right hand, that you know, most of us, if we had a, a nail driven through our hands, would be like, all right, enough. I, I surrender. I quit. You know, I'll give you whatever you want. Jesus did not do that. He bore his left hand to be nailed to the cross as well. How did he find the strength to suffer, to hang on the cross and have his life drained away and never complain, never give in? It was because of his hope. He knew what was to come. He knew that he was to rise from the dead. The letter to the Hebrews says, For the sake of the joy that lay before him, he bore the cross, despising its shame. It was because he knew in what his hope lay. Not in this present suffering, but in the glory of his future. The glory of his resurrection. The glory of his ascension into heaven. And what about us? How many times are we faced with uh, difficulties in our life where we feel like we want to give up? Or temptations in our life where we feel like we just want to give in? But if we keep our eyes fixed with hope on the future, on the eternal life that is offered to us, you know, our souls are eternal. They will never die. It is only a question of whether they will live forever in the joy of heaven and the glory of heaven with Jesus Christ or whether they will live forever in the torments of hell. And so whenever we are faced with difficulties, we should call to mind that pierced left hand of Jesus Christ and the hope that lays before us and persist one moment at a time, one breath at a time, one day at a time, until we reach the glory of heaven. So we meditate on the left hand of Christ. Now, of course, in the prayer, the next thing here is charity, which, as you might imagine, I associate with the heart of Jesus. 
but we're going to skip that one for right now because you know the, the next two wounds that would have happened would have been to his feet. And so we the, come in the prayer to the next uh, thing that we're praying for here, that is a true repentance for our sins. This I associate with the right foot of Jesus Christ. Why, you might ask. Because what is it that Jesus really came to do? What was his whole goal and purpose? It was to proclaim the gospel. And to do that, he became an itinerant preacher. What did he do? He walked. He walked the length and the breadth of the whole land. And he said, repent and believe in the gospel. That was his message. That was what his foot allowed him to do to walk throughout the world proclaiming the gospel. Now that foot has been nailed to a cross. Never it seems to step forward again. And yet it has become, by its being nailed to the cross, a more eloquent speech of the gospel message, of repentance and the love of God, than a million words ever could. Out of that foot drips the redeeming blood in which our sins are washed away. And so for us too, we might ask about our journeys, about our feet. What are the times perhaps when we need to repent? We know we need to go to confession, you know, but uh, I might have to drive for a while to get there. I might have to take some time out of my day uh, to do that. Perhaps there is someone that I need to be reconciled with, to forgive, or to ask their forgiveness. But it's, it's inconvenient. You know, I might have to, to reach out to them and put myself at risk or take the time to write them a letter. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to walk, to journey towards true repentance for our sins as Jesus spread the gospel? So we reflect on that right foot of Christ. Next in our prayer, we pray for a firm purpose of amendment. I associate this with the left foot of Jesus Christ, who was never afraid to take a stand, to take a stand firmly for what was truth. In fact, as he says uh, to, or hints at with Pontius Pilate today, he is the truth. And he was not afraid to take a stand before the public authorities, the Jewish authorities, the Roman authorities, even though it cost him his life. He was not afraid to take a stand among those who followed him, even if that meant that they rejected him and no longer followed him anymore. He took a stand for what was true. And what about us? Do we take a stand as a, to make amends for what is wrong in this world, beginning with ourselves. Do we make amends for what we have done wrong? Do we have a firm purpose of amendment to set right our sins, to not commit them again, to foster in ourselves those virtues and habits which will allow us to avoid them? And if so, what about the rest of the world and the rest of society? Are we willing to take a stand for what is right and for what is just, even if that costs us something, just as it cost the foot of Jesus to be nailed to a cross and to shed his precious blood. So we reflect on that left foot. Which brings us back to charity, to love, and to the pierced heart of Jesus on the cross. 
So great was this love, the love of God, that it gave even beyond death. Jesus was already dead when his heart was pierced. And yet, as God, he was willing and able to give from his open heart the price of our redemption. That heart became truly an open heart, open to all the world, open to all those in need, open to every sinner. And from that heart flows the sacraments of the church, the sacrament which we will receive in just a little while, the sacrament of the Eucharist, the great expression of God's love, and the sacrament of baptism which initiates us into his body. This open heart of Jesus is often how we picture him altogether in his sacred heart, always a heart that is pierced and open. And so again, what about us? Are we willing to have our hearts pierced, to have our hearts opened to, as we said the other night on Holy Thursday night, to both God and our neighbor? We're about to pray in a very solemn way the prayer of the faithful that happens on Good Friday. We pray for all those people who do not believe in God, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, for those uh, who are separated from us, our Jewish uh, kind of ancestors, our Protestant brothers and sisters. We pray for all those who are in need, for those who govern us. How often are our hearts really open to those people? How often when we come to Mass do we come with a heart filled, filled with the needs that we have let in throughout the week, filling them up with the needs of the world? Are our hearts open so that we can offer those gifts for our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, to God? And are our hearts opened to Christ himself? You know, again, in just a moment, we'll venerate the cross. When we come forward, is that truly an act of love? Will we express our love, get down on our knees, in as much as our knees allow us to do that, and to worship God? to love Jesus Christ above all things? Have our hearts been pierced by the love of Christ? So we can meditate upon his pierced heart. And so I encourage us always to reflect upon the sufferings of Christ. If the devotion to the five wounds helps you, use it. Use it as a kind of icon, a kind of shorthand to reflect on all all that Jesus suffered for you because of his great love for you. And pray, let us all pray, that we might truly have, through the veneration of Christ's wounds, a deep and lively faith, hope, and love, with true repentance for our sins and a firm resolve to make amends.